welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Mixing It Up with Daddy D. I'm your host, Daddy D. And we have a very fantastic episode today. Jonah, who is the guest of this episode, is one of my very good friends out here in Los Angeles. We've done a lot of projects together. We've actually collaborated on many different projects. And he's not only have we worked together, but I've even personally invited this man and his wife to my home on multiple occasions uh, just because we just get along so well. We've we I had to kick him out of my house last time he came over because he's just so funny. Him and his wife, man, they're just so pleasant to talk to. So I have a feeling this episode is going to go pretty long. But Jonah, let me tell you a little bit about this guy. He has been playing piano for 24 years, grew up in Oklahoma. Right, but moved to California a while ago. He's music director, producer, touring keyboard player. He's a teacher as well. He's worked with people like 88 Rising is one of his biggest biggest clients. Uh, Rich Brian and many other. We met because of an uh, an unofficial Kid Leroy collaboration that never ended up happening. We won't get into that. Um, but dude, this guy is amazing, right? And. I'm really, really excited to have him on the show. Everybody, put your hands together and please give a warm welcome for my good friend, Jonah Wayhaas. Welcome back to your favorite segment of the Mixing Music Podcast. You are listening to Mixing It Up with Daddy D. By the way, do you, we need to take these away from you. <laughs> I love yeah. candy, bro. I'm uh, I'm lucky that I've I've been recently counting my calories just to help. Oh, you have been? Yeah, I I I um. These are only I know. like hundred calories. Well, it's for four pieces, so I have one left before I hit one serving. I I only have a couple calorie, a couple hundred calories left. Wait, wait, wait. have you been taking the half? I cut them in half. Oh, okay. So I've had. Two, I've had one and a half pieces then because I had the half pieces. Okay, cool. cool okay, cool. but I was like, man, for four pieces, that was like a no, lot. This, yeah, this is a whole piece, right? Oh, that's uh, a whole piece. It's like two of those, this though. This is a whole piece. Right oh, okay, here. cool. So I've had three of the half pieces. Sick. I don't feel as bad then. Why? <laughs> oh, this one had a shit ton of acid on it, acid flicks. <laughs> The, the sparkles. This is probably like perfect podcast material us eating into microphones. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> oh no, don't choke. The sour stuff got in my <laughs> lungs. But yeah, I started counting calories after um, this past holiday. I like got back from visiting the parents and, you know, I tend to go a little bit harder during that time and eating more sweets and you know just bad foods in general um but i came back and i was like feeling super bloated and i like it was the first time i was over 200 pounds in a while so i was just like i'm an, i want to i want to drop mm. that extra weight so i feel like everybody has well how tall are you pretty tall i'm 63 so i 200 feel pounds, like 63 is like not that crazy true but it was mostly fat not muscle. Like if I was jacked also, you're pounds, Asian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Asian 6'3", 200, yeah. Right. But, uh, dude, that's, um, I feel like everybody has their own threshold. Like, uh, 
how much and and this is not just like weight or exercise but like when it comes to different things like how messy are you willing to leave your room before mm. it's like it's too messy i need to clean it up sure like everybody has different thresholds of different things i find that like i passed my threshold and discovered where that is with my own body like weight recently i went to i went to the beach with matt last year okay. Did you know mattress yeah, of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you call him mattress <laughs> 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 okay i'm with that <laughs> and so uh he uh he like we went to the gym and I was looking at him. He's a younger mid twenty, early mid twenties, like, you know, like good looking six pack kind of guy. Yeah, he's ripped. And for the first time and this was before he got ripped. Right. Oh, like, yeah. He's just like No, fit. he 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 was fit before, he was, but he now fit, he's ripped, yeah. yeah. And then um so I was like and then I like it wasn't like the way that I looked because you don't really look at yourself like that, but it was more like I felt my belly jiggling when I ran around on the beach. Mm, yep. And like that was that was like and then some sort of alarm went off in my brain. It's like, I need to do something about this. And that's kind of around the same time I started running. Totally. And I remember seeing, I mean, your journeys of, with running has been kind of inspiring too. And not not inspiring enough to inspire me to start running. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like definitely have, definitely have thought a lot about running. <laughs> like, but You're inspiring, just like not enough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, no, it was around kind of the same time I was sort of had that same realization where I was like, I don't like I've never been like probably the best shape of my life was high school. I was rowing and I had like were you on like a row team or mm -hmm. you were just on a row machine? Oh, you were on a team. Oh, I was on a team. Yeah. And I was like not to blow my where did you, where did you go to school in high school? Where were you? In high I was school? I was in Oklahoma. So I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They had rowing in Oklahoma. Tulsa Rowing Club. TRC. Really? Yes, was there sir. like a river? You could you could call it that. It's yeah, the Arkansas River goes it through. It was just it, like a really large sewer. Pretty much, bro. It's like <laughs> oh, it's the type of spot where you will find like three eyed fish and and shit like that inside oh, of it. Oh, for real? Was it yeah. like still water or was it flowing? Um, like, did you have to like row against a current? There was, was a, current? a current, but it was very low. It's not like you pretty much had. And was to it a big deal yourself. or was it like a nerdy thing? Like row that I rode. I, like I is rowing was... like a weird thing? I never got like called a nerd for rowing. I got probably so it's popular enough to not be weird. It was like jock adjacent enough that like, and I was also at the, I would, the people I hung out with like couldn't have cared less really? about that kind of thing. What but, kind of girls were hanging out with the row club? Like pe girls that were really into nice backs. Um, Just like really like. Surprisingly, like, there were a lot of attracted girls on that. Let me take off that. your sweater. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me remove your clothing from behind. I don't. I don't know if I ever got like girls or attention from being. I mean, yeah, my wife might be to differ, yeah. but because um, that was a lot of the time I met my wife, but. Um, oh, for, oh, that's right. Y'all are yeah. high school sweethearts. Mm -hmm. I forgot about. Actually, that. we celebrated our yesterday our. 16 year we so we celebrate the anniversary where we started dating more mm. than our wedding anniversary because like that's only been what five six years it'll be six years next month but um and i'm like ironically i think we've only been i've only been in la or only in the same city as her on one of our actual uh wedding anniversaries i'm always like on tour on a show or something and i think i think it's gonna happen again this year too which is ironic but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't get a ton of attention from rowing. Um, of course not. It's, <laughs> it's exactly right. It's but I mean, it's, it's not weird. It's it not wasn't weird. weird. No, I wasn't like made to feel other. If anything, I probably felt more like part of a tribe. A community. Oh, that's cool. It was like, it was like a fraternity by. thing going on. Like, yeah, my I, row bros. I think it helped that I was really good at it, too. Oh, dope. And so like I just kind of 
gained a lot of respect from like the coaches and the team. Is that like a city thing or is like everyone in Oklahoma had a row team? Oh, like, no, no. There was maybe 15 people on it. And this is like across like four different high schools. So it was like oh, literally okay. we just, you know, you it's like a not very popular sport. Not like your really school just happened to have it. It wasn't even related to my school. It was like an after school activity. You went out of your way to row. <laughs> I did. I did. And you liked it. I enjoyed it. I was really good at it. And it was a really, really good all body workout. Like you have to have wow. a really strong core. You have to use your of legs course. a lot. You have to have really good arm strength too. Um, and it's a lot of mental strength too. Oh, of course. Um, Cause you just want to give up so much and you, ca you can't. <laughs> like now as an adult rowing, like if I could join a row team in high school, like, well, I mean, I'm not in high school anymore, but if I had my mind when I was in high school, I think I would have done rowing. I went to a high school in Virginia that had rowing. Mm -hmm. No way. My school didn't have rowing as a school next to ours. I was going to say, it's a lot more popular on the East Coast. Um, yeah, there was rowing in the school and the high school, like that was like bordering our school. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, whoa, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And it was, man, they were intense for an after school kind of elective activity thing. Like we were, you know, every Saturday I had to wake up at 6am and run like between six and nine miles. And then we would do circuits with, you know, kind of varying degrees of, of on ergs, which are the rowing machines. Um, ergs. Yeah. That's what they call Hell ERG. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. Hell yeah. And I had a, I had an erg for a minute when I was in LA, but it was just, I don't, I didn't have the room. I had to get rid of it. Um, I didn't have the nice like concept two super expensive ones. I had a really cheap foldable one that the screen pretty much broke immediately. <laughs> and, oh, for real? Yeah. Um, but it was cool just to still have something to stay active on. Um, but yeah, it got to this point with rowing where I kind of had to make a choice um, between music or rowing. And the other thing is it, it tears up your hands. I, I pretty much don't have Wait, any wait, wait. You're anymore. telling me that when it came down to it, rowing or music, I mean, that was a choice? I mean, it, it was a very easy <laughs> choice. It wasn't a hard decision to make, but- That was a decision? Yet? I did have to make that choice. Mm, one of these is going to kill me. Well, it's going to, well, no, it won't kill you. The other one is rowing. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, no, and I think the other thing that I realized too is, I mean, I obviously had been playing music for way longer. Again, it was a very easy decision to be like, well, like, cause I'd only rode for like four years, three, four years. Um, but it was sort of this, all right, if I'm going to do this, I have to go to a school that takes rowing seriously. And I'm going from like being a top person in middle of nowhere, Tulsa, Oklahoma. to like going to Boston where it's like an elite sport. Mm. And these, these kids have been training for, you know, decades oh, or yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah. plus and and I'd be a very very small pond. And I I had that same experience as a musician going from Tulsa Oklahoma to Boston and going to a music school there too. Um but I think I was able to hang because I had also been playing piano for 12 13 years at that point by the time I went to college. Did y'all have like field hockey in your school? Do you know what field hockey is? I know what field hockey is. We did not have field hockey. I think the only sports we had were we definitely had a football team um, at high school. My middle school was like 16 kids. We didn't have any sports. Um, my high school had football, swimming, track. The classics. The classics. Maybe volleyball. I don't. I Men's don't. volleyball. That's that's the difference. I think it was women's volleyball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, like, mo like I feel like men's volleyball is like a very California thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Or like an island, warm weather kind of place thing. Yeah. Like it's weird. Um, cheerleading as well. I almost did cheerleading, bro. Cheerleading. I could I I could see that. 
I can I see it as a like it's like doing backflips and yeah. Like, you're pretty like nimble. I, yeah, I also just like wanted to touch girls, but that's besides the point. Sure, <laughs> just hoping they fall on you and you get to. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, but, uh, just cop I had I had like one of my good friends uh, that was a male cheer cheerleader, and he was buff. That was the reason why I almost did it. You have to be strong. Like, he was so strong. It yeah. was really intimidating. Because you're throwing people up in the air and then catching them and making it look like you're not doing anything, too. That's the hard part. Oh, and he would, like, parkour, but, like, not on purpose. Like, he'd do things just because, like, it was just so easy to do it. Like, he'll, like, jump over a fence. Just to kind of show off just a like, little bit. whoa, dude, that looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll do that again with the camera. That's no. so funny. Yeah, um, he was just, like, a really nimble boy. Uh, I had a couple homies like that too. We were, we all sort of skated in high school, and I was, you know, very skating obviously. Skating is a very interesting sport. Yeah, exactly. I was very clearly the the least talented skater of my friends, so that meant that I was sort of on duty of filming because um, I I could oh, ride and I could, <laughs> I could I could I could drop a couple stairs and you know like I could ollie off things, but I'm not you know I couldn't really do tricks or huge sets of stairs and things like that so i would just you know they would go on runs and i would kind of get the footage as you know yeah, we yeah, were yeah. we're you know watching our skate videos and trying to trying to imitate our heroes at that point but um yeah skating i wanted to be so good at skating but it was another thing with music it came down to a point where i remember i fell i didn't break anything but i fell and i kind of like fucked up my wrist at one point can we can we curse on here do i have to oh of course okay we, sorry yeah. i don't want to I should ask that before. Um, it's all right. We won't get into it, but I don't believe in verbal censorship. Bet. Cool. Respect. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just start just streams. Yeah, like just, a, just my, swearing. Yeah. Just swearing. No, um, but... Uh, but this, yeah, the, yeah, the hands stable, thing. Yeah. The, yeah, so it, that was another reason why I kind of stopped. And even recently, my wife... She made these skateboards. She like, uh, we realized we were living at the time by this like iconic LA skate shop. And so she came in and had an idea to just buy some blank decks and literally just draw on them and paint oh, on them. Oh, that's cool. Made these really, really cool. She like put, uh, like I want, she put some sealant on it. So it like covers it too. Um, so like it wouldn't just destroy it the second you start skating on it. And, um, and I was like teaching her to, you know, just how to ride. And we were doing that for a little bit. And even then I'm sort of just like, man, if we do this, I need to get like wrist guards. I can't, I can't be skating. Cause if I, if I fall and break a wrist or something, you know, I'm, yeah. or even sprain a wrist, I'm out of oh, my job. Oh, that's you know true. I mean? Cause like, you're a keys player. Yeah. That's interesting. It's for me, I feel like I've had lots of things that I wanted to do. Like I've always been extremely terrible at at balancing between multiple things. Like I'm the kid that wanted to do everything all at the same time. Yeah. And be everything everywhere all at once. Sorry. Nice, <laughs> do everything. Nice. Do I watched everything. Uh, the director's cut of that literally last night. Oh, for real? Wife. We yeah. watched the actual movie literally last night. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, we so. were going to watch the full movie and then we had bought it and we've watched it a bunch of times. What is the director's cut? So a director's cut is hilarious. It's literally just the whole movie, but the directors talk over it the whole time. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, so okay, they okay. give you little insider things. or oh. They kind of spoil Did things. Did you watch it without the director's cut before? We've watched it hell, a bunch of times oh, before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Dude, we saw it in theaters actually I too. I was I don't know I what do you think my reaction to that movie was you know me enough like I, okay I feel like I oh man I'm scared because I feel like you might break my heart if you don't like in a way but, but like so I love that movie and I think uh I think as an Asian American as somebody as an immigrant background in any way I think you have a different relationship to that movie than as a white person mm -hmm. um 
I don't know. I want to say that you enjoyed it. Oh, dude, I really enjoyed okay, it. Okay, cool, cool. I was going to say, like, I was, like, crying more yeah. than I should have. Oh, for like, sure. No, like, even in the director's cut, I was, cut, just, I was, I was, I was just, crying. Oh, my gosh. Dude, I could have started rowing just from my tears. Yeah. No, legit, like, I I, uh, I remember seeing it, and I was telling everyone, it's my new favorite movie. I remember telling my mom, I, I you know, I really want you to see this movie. Oh, really? And, and she saw Because she's a bitch? <laughs> is that why? <laughs> no, my mom's awesome. And if you watch this, mom, I love you. <laughs> no, no, I'm but I'm no, 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 my mom's great. But like, she literally, she came back when we asked her the next week. Me and my wife were so excited. We we're like FaceTiming and we're like, what did you think of the movie? And she's like, you know, I just didn't really get it. I just wasn't for me. And we're just like, both of our just kind of, we sunk and we're just like, well, that's the last movie I'm recommending to her again. <laughs> That's interesting. Is is your mom the Asian one? Yeah, she's full Chinese. She's full so Chinese. I'm surprised she didn't like at least have the like because she kind of had like speaks Chinese Chinese or like doesn't speak. Any she doesn't Chinese. speak Chinese. Um, oh, so she's like American Chinese. She's American, but she was born in Canada. But both of her parents were full Chinese, and she was raised as I think first. So generation. she was basically like the joy. Yeah, exactly okay. the Joe Butabaki, right? But um, yeah, I guess I think. I think the sci-fi element is probably what was maybe a little bit too much for her. Oh, but I was God. kind of hoping from the Asian American yeah, like, experience I, I, you side were hoping that, she, that she was smart enough yeah, to, to, be to able kind of to take like, that message out of it. More but she was just like, yeah, I didn't really like the, the hot dog fingers. And I'm just like, but it's but more than that. Like, it's more than, yeah. So. I thought it was so clever. I thought it was brilliant. The fighting with the butt plugs was hilarious. So good. That If, if you haven't watched the movie, that, that sentence that just came out of my mouth is, is. Probably wouldn't make much sense. Yeah, without, it was just yeah. so funny. Uh, but I love, I, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was clever. I thought it was very creative. Very creative. And um, and even with the director's cut, something I learned, not to spoil a bunch of shit about the movie, but like um, something that they did that was very smart was because they didn't have a massive budget um, and they wanted to have, you know, they wanted to have fight scenes that were comparable to these major Hollywood films. They literally, instead of casting a bunch of stunt doubles and then having people, you know, training, they literally casted stunt performers as the actors so all the people fighting are actually stunt doubles so mm. they actually were doing all their own stunts that way oh wow that's interesting with the exception of obviously michelle yo and Kiko and of Ki. course like they they had stunt doubles and things like that but yeah like the all the the butt plug scene those guys are stunt, stunt yeah oh wow that's yeah. hilarious and dude i genuinely and i felt like this is what I feel like made it so good is because the first time I watched it, I feel like I gained a lot of insight. Obviously the tears were flowing. There's mm -hmm. something that struck a chord that resonated with my soul deeply watching it. But I also recognized when it came to the end of the movie, when the movie finished, I felt like I still didn't quite understand why it was resonating. Yeah. So like I could watch it probably like two or three more times to, to further interpret why it's resonating so much within me. Totally. Um, and I feel like that's what makes like it also so special and totally. rewatchable. I, I also wonder if it makes it because that like the entire last like 30 minutes is just so intense. It's so intense. So intense that I feel like the impact of it wouldn't be there if I watched it again. But I don't know. Have you you've watched it a bunch of times over? Is I've the impact it, still there? I've watched it three times and then the director's cut once and I think I, I get what you're saying and I actually like that about it too. I had a similar thought the first time I watched it in theaters was like my first thought was I can't wait to watch this again because I definitely felt like I was going to get 
more from it. Uh-huh. You know, even in this, the crazy multiverse metaverse scenes, like even that alone, there's stuff to take away that I'm sure, you know, we missed at some point. Cause there's, you know, one frame sequences of things that are flashing and, um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I also I also just enjoy a good cry from a movie. You know what I mean? I'm kind oh, of hell a, yeah, kind girl. of a rom com guy in that regard. So hell yeah, I I I feel like crying to me is kind of like paying back a debt. Like mm. the way that I see it, and this is me talking here. Like I feel like at the end of all of our lives, we are we are slowly as we live, we are slowly accumulating a debt of guilt. Like everything that we do, we know that we're imperfect and mm-hmm. we continue to make mistakes and we keep fucking up. And I feel like at the end of our lives, if you haven't had like a good cry and like more importantly, like letting out the guilt, the shame, the pain and just let releasing it, letting it go yeah. through, which usually in the form of a good cry, totally. then you're going to have to pay it all at once at the end. And like, I'm not that type of person. I pay, you know, every month or whatever it is. We pay our taxes. I pay it slowly (laughs) bit by bit because I'm not, my dad is the type of guy where like, he never, never cries, Mm. never apologizes, very, very strong. Um, I think he's had a lot of issues as well, but uh, there's like every single time he, like the four or five times he's gone under for surgery and he kind of wakes up a little loopy. Like he's crying, wondering if his wife has left him and his kids hate him. Like, so he knows, he knows. Like that subconsciously he's, he's, he's like, it's there, yeah, but yeah. He, like when he's awake again, he doesn't like, It's so gone. interesting that you, like when you said strong, right, that, that kind of hit me. Cause I was like, it's so, it's funny that it's, it's very ironic that like, that's the perception of strength is not showing emotions, but where I think actually it's more strong. You show more strength from showing your emotions and showing your human humanity in many ways. Can I, can I play around with this idea? I don't Please. believe that showing your emotion is strong. I think controlling your emotions is strong. Sure. I think so strength if you can, comes if you from can, controlling if your emotions. You, if, like, for example, if you like, if you're uncontrollably scared or crying, that does, then that's I think not that's strength. not strength. I, I agree with that. But if yeah. you know that this is the right time to appropriately release some stress, then I think that's a form of strength. Totally. I, I agree with that. And that's, Pro- probably a better way of what I was trying to say. Yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 But I like, yeah, I'm thinking like, and, and hear me out on this as a parent. Um, there's a lot that I learned from the movie and, and first off, hold on. I love things like that where there's like something deeper going on. It's almost like scriptural. Like you just don't get it the first time when you read like a stupid verse. First off, it, right. you have no idea if like, whoever wrote that shit, Paul, right? For example, it's like, did he really mean that at face value? Or is there something deeper that we're just not getting? We've lost in translation. I feel like the majority of scripture, like is lessons, they're parables that have a deeper meaning. And the, the very like, a nuanced way of looking at it is like we take this at face value yeah. and like miss the whole purpose of the of the. So it's like a balance there. But yeah. anyway, so I love the movie because I felt like very like scriptural in that sense, in the mm-hmm. sense that like there's a lot more we can dive into and, and layers that we can continue to peel back, which is why it felt like the director and the writers like were so intelligent, like yeah. and very creatively executed something so beautiful. Anyway, um, but going back to the parenting thing, um, what I believe. I, like no parent knows what they're doing, right? Sure. Nobody knows what they're doing, and I don't you can think read any all the adult books. knows what they're doing. Yeah. I think <laughs> as I've as I've come into my thirties, I've realizing that like it's so funny when you're a kid, you think like everyone, they're an adult, they've got things figured out, right? And then you come to realize like, 
no one knows anything. Like everyone's just trying to figure out what to do, like their next their next thing. It's it's uh Oh yeah, for sure. It's kind of crazy. It's it's like almost like a level of like confidence in not knowing what you're doing. Like right. I don't know what I'm doing confidently. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, those are the people that are like succeeding in many ways. Yeah. yeah, like um but yeah, anyway, as a parent, I definitely don't know what to do. And I recognize that like what I'm how I'm going to raise my child is the way that I'm betting my cards on the table and I'm probably going to be wrong. I like, you know, I mean, but like, but st- like statistically, I, there's got to be things you're going to be wrong. Oh, of about, course. Right? So I'm like, but I am making a decision. I'm brave enough to make a decision on how and think about how I want to raise my sons. And for me, I want them to be strong and tough. And I like, I like repeat that to them. Like I make them say like, I'm strong or I'm silly in Japanese. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I often tell him, and this sounds really bad, especially coming out of like the late 2010s, you know, late 2020s, like early 2020s, like um, um, I tell him, boys don't cry. You mm. don't cry. Boys don't cry. And I do it on purpose because and it's like knowing that that's going to like, obviously men need to show their emotions. I cry a lot. Sure. But there's have, you, have they seen you cry? Have you cried in front oh, of them yeah. before? Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And more like they've also seen me apologize to them yeah, multiple times, which is huge. So I don't think what I'm what I'm not trying to teach them is that boys don't cry like as a gender thing. Sure, but it's like you don't get what you want by crying. Right. Like there's as a man, like um, I believe like there's been a lot of like psychological uh, studies that show that uh, like for example the reason why men don't go to therapy the same way um, as much as women do is because men care more about being respected than, than being loved. Mm-hmm. So like men hate being pitied. They just feel like what they want is to get control of their life again. That's why like men love like um, solving problems and personal development because it feels like they're back in control and that sure. relieves depression more than anything else. So it's like when I teach them not to cry, the point is not to, to not cry, but the point is to like, you don't get what you want from whining. Right. You don't get what you want just because you cry. So, for example, if he wanted something and he didn't get it and he cried, then what I do, like, or like I gave him part of it, like a little bowl of cereal, but he wanted more. So he starts crying. What I do is take away that first bowl of cereal. It's right. like, you're not getting it now right. at all. And then if he asks me 30 minutes later and apologizes and like asks me without crying, then I'll, I'll probably give it back to him. But like for for bo- this these guys especially they're kind of also learning to use it as a form of manipulation. Like it's not. I was gonna sadness. say it's part of the age. Too. It's not sadness. It's manipulation. Right. Like yeah. kids early, you know, children like they realize that they can uh, evoke an, a response from their parents by crying. And even as babies, I think they realize that too, right? Like yeah. you start to see, oh, if I cry, they're going to come in and they're going to take care of me and, and, and you know, all of that. So I feel like it is a learned behavior. And I love that because I don't think a lot of parents, um, and I'm speaking as a non-parent who like has no experience raising children too. So my word means pretty much nothing in that arena. But um, I, I, just from what I've seen, I think a lot of parents are kind of pushovers in that regard, at oh, least from yeah. what I've seen. Also, dude, I remember being like, uh, I was, um, what is this? Four or five years ago, I was, uh, uh, Weeblos leader in Cub Scouts. And I remember like this 11 year old punk ass kid. I could say so many other worse things, but we'll keep it at that. Um, he was a total crybaby. Yeah. And what if he even started to lose at like some sort of sport that we he, did or the, like dodgeball or something and he like on. he got out or something he'd cry and would like basically like society and I'm, I'm saying society but it was like really the seven other people and including the boys what they did is like they all like pitied him yeah 
And so like they'd like let him win. Mm-hmm. And it's like and and if I the thing, the reason that bugs me the most is like society is the biggest bitch. Like if you did not learn how to control your emotions or be strong in the sense that we were talking about before, like you're going to be a fucking loser. Yeah. Like society is just not going to, there's very f- significantly fewer people are want going to want to be your friends. True. And that's going to suck worse because there's no like actual feedback. And they'll never have learned that lesson. So when that's happening, they're like, what's happening? Like, why is it's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no feedback. Right. There's no like immediate feedback. And especially if you're not like introspective enough to sort of analyze, which a lot of men honestly are. A lot of people aren't. I don't think to like, and I include myself in that. I think I have, you know, have a lot of work to do in that field as well. But I also really analyze overanalyze a lot of situations a lot of conversations sometimes and i'm just like okay what could i have done or said differently that would have resulted in a different mm. uh, different i've, I've of, done that. Uh, i've stayed up so many nights doing that i try not to do sure. that now like i actively. try not to it used to be an obsessive thing um and i definitely i'm better at catching myself now because i think that there's a lot of good to i think that there's uh, uh, equally like every every like L for lack of a better word that you take honestly probably has more of a learning lesson from it than, than the, the W's that we take. Mm. And Oh, for sure. And I really try to dissect that when I'm hurt or when I've lost a gig or when I didn't get a gig or, you know, I'm bringing it back to music or whatever. If I get in a fight with uh, someone I love, um, I really try to kind of analyze and be like, put it on me, even if it was maybe I provoke or if, you know, they did something or if they were out of line, I always try to be like, what did I do in this situation? Even if I wasn't ultimately to blame, but what can I do in the future to kind of grow from that? Yeah. And that's, that's like going to what your point about. It's like, I feel bad for people that kind of had that, the, that sort of kid gloves kind of thing and, and weren't able to learn like a proper lesson about, about, yeah, 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 about how to work properly to get things rather than just like crying and taking pity. So let me let me uh, let me bring up a scenario that came up today. Actually, then let's talk about it because yeah. I wanted I wanted to discover and learn about if I did the right thing or if not. And more importantly, I don't care, but um, I want to like see if there's something that we can learn from this. Sure, um, that has exactly to do with this. I, for example, there's no feedback from society. For example, if you're being like a crybaby, sore loser, nobody's going to call you out right. because people are like honest, but they're not jerks. People don't inherently like being a jerk. Unless you're on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Right. <laughs> like you're being, like on Reddit as uh, under an anonymous, you know, username. But, um, right. other than that, um, it's, it's society doesn't really teach you in person when it's like real, like, I don't know. But, uh, for me, what happened today, I've been trying to be a lot more honest with myself, letting people understand me at face value. Like, mm. I hate it when people are trying to dig deep into my words and trying to like, what are you trying to say? Yeah. Like, I hate when people do that because I definitely don't mean it like that. Um, I don't, I'm trying not to listen to people like that as well. Like, just try to listen to people for face value and try not to get offended or anything because they probably didn't mean it personally. Sure. Right? Um, But I've also been trying to be a lot more honest. So, for example, today, um, it's stupid that it bugged me. I think that's, like, step one there. Um, And I'm going to tell you the story. But uh, something good happened and basically a gift to three of my friends. And I put it in a group chat. It's like, hey, this awesome thing is happening. Um, Two of them said thank you. One of them didn't. 
And I said, hey, man, I'm still waiting for that. Thank you. Like in public into that group chat. And I know that like it shouldn't bug me. But the fact that like. It would have bugged me too. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say that. But I don't know if I would have said anything. Because if, for me, what would have happened and the reason why I said it out loud and, and it's beyond this conversation. It's been like the last year or so. Sure, sure. Um, I don't let those th- thoughts just kind of slide by because what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk shit about them behind their back. Right. And I so think if I just tell them in person, before, yeah. if you just confront it head on, it's not going to lead to any feelings of ill will about them, which will lead to you talking shit about someone that you, you say you love kind of a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and I get that. And I, I, I don't think what you did was wrong in any way, especially if it, if it allowed you to sort of have that clear, um, kind of clear presence of mind about like, all right, I can go forward. And like, I said my piece about it, how I'm feeling. And I don't have to feel like this deadbeat isn't, you know, responding to my, it does, isn't grateful. Right. Cause that's almost how I would take it in that point. It's like, oh, they're not, gra- they're not grateful and not factoring in. Well, how long, how long did you wait before you sent that? Oh no, he had, he, they had sent all of them in their first message was awesome. Thank you. Except for this guy who had sent like three messages and never said thank you. Oh, he so just they like, continued he just like on took the, the convo. Gift. He took the gift oh. and then just like did it. Okay. Basically. Well then I maybe, I maybe might walk back what I said, but I don't know if I would have done it in the chat. So I, so that's the thing is like, I could have, I don't, I, here's the deal. I didn't want to be petty and I didn't want to make a scene out of it. Sure. So if I like did what would have been a smarter managerial thing, like one v one, be like, hey, dude, I'm looking for an, a, a, like a thank you at the very least, like as a form of respect. Right. But here's the thing: what bugs me is that that kid never learned that 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 saying thank you for something that, quite honestly, it was an awesome gift. It was basically right. a bunch of free plugins. Sick. Free plugins, hundreds of dollars worth yeah. of value. Um, and uh, yeah, it just the fact that thank you, and after I call him out, he still didn't do it, and and that makes sense because now he can't save face. You know, like now, you know. Um, but like the fact that that wasn't the first thing on his mind, I'm not going to say it was his parents. I'm, it's probably him and his mindset and the way that he's thinking is probably some sort of our relationship. I'm, I'm not going to create an internal story. That's not true. A fictitious story. But the point is like the fact that that's not front of his mind, something's up and it bugs me. And uh, I'm not trying to teach him a lesson, but I am not going to let him trample on me. Yeah. It also felt like you're kind of trying to teach a lesson, though. I definitely, definitely was teaching a lesson. Uh, I'm recognizing But I respect the, like, not trying to trample on me. I do respect that a lot. I don't think you did the wrong thing by any means. Um, it's just a different thing. And it also, it, it depends too, like you mentioned. The I definitely was thing. trying to teach him a lesson. In retrospect, if, I definitely was trying to teach him If you also have a position, if you're in a position of power over this person, which I'm assuming you kind of are, that also throws a different am. kind of dynamic am. into there where I would have maybe approached it. If it was like, if it was like peers, like if it was you and I, and I didn't say, first of all, I think, I, I'm guessing this person is not Asian. Oh, but, he is. Oh. Yeah. Okay, well, that aside- And, and we're, we're friends. Okay, cool. But you still also are in a position of boss or manager oh, yeah, where you yes, have yes, some yes, yes, some yes. over- Yeah, so it's it, that adds an extra layer of complexity to the to the situation, course, I think, a little bit. Um, so the point, the point is, though, like, um, something in there, I'm trying to weave together the thread between these thoughts and ideas. This is what I do a lot. Like I like throw out, splatter a bunch of ideas and try to find the silver lining between all, not the silver lining, but the thread the that thread connects that, yeah. all the, the logic between all of them. The point is, uh, one, society sucks and nobody's, he's not going to learn that. Right. 
The, another and point is two, like it's, it's I'm not be your honest. job to to teach him that. Ironically, that's that's true. Too. It's not yeah. my job, but so also relinquishing that that control. So I feel like I told him to teach him, but not because I felt the responsibility to teach him, but more so because I'm going to be working with him in the future. Yeah, it's often. it's not like, this is not it's something not, we're going to do. I get it. It's not to teach him. This is how you need to act to other people. But if we're going to have a working relationship, this is the respect that needs that I deserve. That and I and it's need, just a I've word. Demanded. It's yeah. literally two yep. words. And I think in that regard you fully did the right thing. And the only difference I might've done is maybe texted him or had an in-person conversation after mm. the fact. But it wasn't that big of a deal. I, I don't think it is. I and and like, I don't, I did, the big thing is like, I really didn't want it to escalate into a big deal. Right. And so now this is me just overthinking this live, you know, right. <laughs> live right, 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 there, right. But, waxing poetic about but, uh, a small thing. Yeah. That, so, but it was uh, just like, yeah, it was just a little bit, a little bit weird. I'm bugged. I think the thing that bugs me about this like conversation was that the fact that it bugged me bugs me. Yeah, right. Like I wish it didn't bug me that much. I wish I didn't I notice. Wish you could just let it slide. I wish off I didn't notice. And, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I guess um, but that's something I've been doing. Recently. I re I relate a lot to that too. I've I've had uh, um, honestly, I've had friendships that have kind of ended because of that. Not um not feeling like that mutual respect is there literally like think simple things like you know going out of my way to meet them because they forgot their key to let them into the apartment and they they didn't even say thank you kind of a thing or like i'm helping them i'm waking up several hours earlier than i normally would to help them you know put pack up their life and move and not even a single thank you and it was it was an accumulation of those kinds of things where i was like oh okay like i need to learn when someone shows you who they are you got to believe them kind of a thing i i can't i was sort of naively just expecting if i kept showing up and doing things i would get the respect that i kind of wanted but at a certain point and i and i don't think it was a disrespect thing in retrospect yeah no it's just it. it's just a bad personality <laughs> yeah right it's a really terrible character that's all it just is just bad character and maybe a little bit of obliviousness too maybe a little bit of a narcissism well, the, or the, the lack of gratitude doesn't come from really high self esteem yeah. and really like you know what i'm saying a lack of gratitude doesn't come from good places true yeah. So maybe I'm just upset that people are so fucking depressed and sad, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that bums me out too. I think about that. I mean, I can't think about it too much because it kind of bums me out yeah. and depresses me too. But like, and then the other thing is that we have no control over it. Getting back to what you're saying, the th any if there's any true thing that I've learned in my 33 years on this planet is the only thing I have, and I've been in a, in a committed relationship with my partner for 16 years. The only thing I have control over is how I react to something, my emotions. I have no control over how she's going to react to a situation. I have no control. I've learned this the hard way many times. I have no control over how she'll respond to me, even if I want to hear it a certain way to me and how selfish or narcissistic that is of me to think like, oh, she should change the way she speaks to me so that I can you know, I can feel better about whatever yeah, message yeah. is being expressed or whatever. I, we used to, I used to get a lot of, a lot into that early on, even cause you know, we've been together since high school where I was like, could you just say it like this? It would, it would feel better to me. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm a dick. Like I'm really selfish. Like to think about that. Um, I don't think that's selfish. I think that's a strong word. I think, especially it's cause this is like your wife where it's like yeah. you're invested in the long term relationship. Right. right. But I think it is a little, it's like what you're saying though. I was taking the words on, on face value and, and she, English wasn't her first language. Mm. And I was treating her as like, Oh, you're saying things wrong basically. Or you're saying oh, it see, like, see, that's see. not making sense to me and, and not factoring in 
that there was a little bit of a language barrier or that she says things in a different way. And I think as I, I've been learning Vietnamese and it's been interesting and I think I'm learning a, about my wife in many ways because just the sentence structure is very telling because like I'll, I'll proofread, uh, you know, copy, she'll, she'll type things out and I'll, I'll proofread on emails and things like that. I'm just like, this is a weird sentence format. Like the sentence, you've got run on sentences. And then as I'm like learning Vietnamese, I'm like, oh yeah, they don't have punctuation and they flip things and like they say a statement and then like a, yeah. a yes or no after I'm just like, oh, this makes a lot of sense of how like we communicate. Um, but I, it's been a really kind of cool learning experience for me to be like, oh, actually I was just being, you know, yeah, I'm at fault. <laughs> There's a that's interesting. I wonder how much of my terrible writing skills comes from my Japanese language, because I feel like the same way. Like I can easily throw it on Japanese, because um, Japanese you can like flip flip the words backwards. The punctuation mm. isn't the same. There's some some of them are really similar, um, but yeah, like. I've always kind of blamed it as a kid. It's like, oh, it's because Japanese was my first language right. that like I can't articulate my thoughts. Um, but the reason why I love I've loved doing the podcast is because it's forced me to articulate myself better and more importantly, be comfortable with how I'm inarticulate. Sure. Is that the right word? How how where I lack. Yeah. Like in communication skills. Cause like, for example, before I would have been frustrated. I remember in high school I would have been frustrated with the idea that I'm the type of person that likes to think with multiple random ideas and then try to weave them together. Right. And the fact that I was able to articulate that that's how I think and you understand is like a significant improvement of where I was emotionally like 10 years ago when I was like really frustrated that people just didn't get me. Right. And so um, also like the whole, uh, I don't listen to my own podcast because I don't want to like stay up way too late at night thinking about the stupid shit I said. And and then getting in your head about, oh, yeah. I got to edit this. I got, yeah. I, or whatever. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think that would make me go crazy if I, if I regularly recorded my voice and, and tried to listen back to it. Oh yeah. It can't, it can. And as it a can. non, not in a vocalist way, obviously you have to get yeah, used yeah, to yeah. hearing your voice if you're a singer. Like in an intellectual way. Like, do right. I sound dumb? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because inevitably you will, right? And oh yeah. Like, it's just. Uh, it's just like part of life. I feel like I've also like like accepted that I am a dummy, <laughs> which is like it's really weird. But like one, a part. Of, this is. I hope that this doesn't reveal anything terrible about myself. <laughs> but a part of me knows that I'm smart. But if I'm smart, that makes me dumb because I'm unable to un relate to people like the average person, sure. right? Or you're just so smart that you're like way on a, a plane higher than the average yeah, person. Yeah, like I'm thinking three chess moves yeah, ahead yeah, 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 instead exactly. of the one or two, right. you know, whatever. Um, and that, so I'm talking three steps ahead, but anyway. Or the other thing is like, I'm so dumb <laughs> that like, it's okay to think I'm smart because I'm so dumb. Right, because you don't know anything. Yeah, so it's like, right, whatever. Why not? It's yeah. probably good for the confidence. Blissfully. <laughs> Bro, I think there is something to that. I think if you, not like... Not the more you know, obviously, like, because I, I also think, like, there is something to be confidence through having knowledge, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a big fan of, like, over-preparing in order to feel prepared so that I can feel confident. And I'm obviously mm -hmm. talking about music. And so I'll, I'll, oh, I'll do more work than is often necessary just so that when I show up, I don't have to worry about 
the act of playing music. I can worry mm. about yeah. the the other, honestly, really ninety percent of the this, yeah. the gig, which is a lot of it is you the inter- your, interpersonal your sheet, shit. Your your I need this two di boxes. Yeah, make sure it's stereo. <laughs> sure. I mean, outside of the technical stuff, it's also the interpersonal stuff and the politics. And, oh, and I see. I see. Yeah, because I mean, man, I you try to deal with politics like beforehand. How do you? How do you? Is that is that kind of what I understood? Like uh, you try to as much as you can within a like a, a musical camp. You mean? Yeah. Uh, I think. Hmm. So because you, you were talking yeah. about being prepared, and then you said the politics of. Like, I mean, like classic, being in the like, room, business politics, being in the room. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sir, sir, business is taken care of to an extent before. Like you know, I you're good. It. You know right. that you're like not the pity invite. Exactly, and I know that I'm not. I know the basics are covered, right? The the scheduling, if things are backlined, you know, the rate, all of that's taken care of before. You know, I kind of have the a sense. rate. That's super important. Yeah, that's so super important. important. Yeah, I mean, and it's like it's. I just saw a meme earlier tonight where it was a uh, um someone was like, oh, hey, I have a gig for you this Friday, and it's like me waiting to see the rest of the this message before I give a response, kind of a thing. Because it's like, yeah, I need to know. Uh, I, I, and it's, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not against playing for free if it's the right situation. Um, but a lot of the time you're paying me to travel, right? It's, that's kind of yeah, the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I'd oh, be, I'd be point. making music at home regardless, you know? Um, but you're paying me to bring my gear and along with that are the decades at of At least gear rental and gas. Right. At, at the, the very least. least. At the very least, that's sort of what it's And covering. then extra for the courtesy of you valuing my time. Right. And then, then the actual, if I'm working with someone who actually pays my actual rate, then they're factoring in the two decade plus of, yeah, yeah, of yeah, experience yeah. that I have. But at the very least, like a courtesy, right. you're my friend. And I'm willing to do this for free, but because you offered for free, I'm going to pay you at least gas, a meal, right. rent. Like, yeah, you know. or hit me back with studio time, or you know, they'll we'll yeah. trade services, you know, kind of a thing. And I, I, I'm, I love doing that, but yeah, very rarely do I have, especially in certain situations, like where I'll get hired and we'll have that conversation. We'll know I'm being taken care of to a certain extent. But I very often haven't ever been in the same room with the other people I'm playing with or even the artist. So that's the politics I'm talking about mm, is like the interpersonal stuff. It's not necessarily politics. Sometimes it is. And I think it's humbling to always kind of remember like to watch what I say. And, and uh, because as a hired gun, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm replaceable, even if I am the best addition to this setting, there's a thousand other keyboardists in this city alone who could do what I do. Um, probably, probably a thousand. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go higher than that. <laughs> like, yeah. because like there are tons of, of musicians in the city, but I feel like the ones who are doing it at a high level, it's actually a very small community. So a couple thoughts that I have is one, um, I also like to do things for free and like support friends or whatever. Totally. But that being said, you're probably feeling this too. You probably feel this more and more. Um, I feel like it's less worth hiring me for free now from like the, the artist side, like an artist. Yeah. Probably it's less worth hiring me for free, even if I agree to it mm-hmm. than it was like 10 years ago totally. when I was like hungry. You were hungry. Right. And you had more of a, you didn't have a reputation. Yeah. Like, um, like I'd probably do a good job, a great job even, but you're not going to spend four hours when you could easily do it in 35 minutes. Yeah. And you're not going to go above and beyond and do the extra things that they're not asking for. Yeah. And you're, I'm like, it's going to be delivered late and you're going to be on my time. Yep. You're going to, I'm going to, you're going to owe me a favor. It's going to be minimal revisions, if any, 
type thing. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I very much so relate to that. So it's like, it's just not worth it to hire me for free anymore from their side of stuff. Right. At least it shouldn't be. But that being said, like I still like to offer from time to time. Totally. So I think we're on the same boat there. Um, I I'm super against like black and white. Don't do free work. But that being yeah. said, um, I don't think you should do free work. Not because like for example, like someone asked me to do like put in this song that I wrote into a film for free, mm-hmm. and like I'm cool with doing it for free. Like I wouldn't have sold the song otherwise. But I want to charge like 50 bucks, even if it's just 50 bucks. It's almost like the principle of it. Yeah, yeah. It's more about like, I want you to sacrifice something for my- Right. And I also want to feel like, not to make it transactional, but in a way, it sort of needs to- to kind of legitimize what this is happening yeah. in a way. So it's a more way, of yeah. like respect and legitimacy. Yeah, it's, than it's, it's back to respect again. What am I going to do with 50 bucks? Go right. to McDonald's once <laughs> in California? Yeah, yeah I mean, go to Starbucks twice in can, California. Yeah, Starbucks twice. Yeah, you can probably <laughs> decently if you work at a McDonald's, but I don't know. I mean, that Cardi B offset meal is like twenty three dollars. Oh, that's right, the two person, dude. I sometimes I with that McDonald's app, bro. Sometimes I come out with deals. I'm feeding yeah? two kids and a wife, oh, bro, snap. with that McDonald's. Like a king. Fifteen bucks. There you go, dude. Yeah, it's like that. But the thing is, like, you're not gonna get fries with that. But you know. Like, <laughs> Like, I'm cool with two Whop, the two uh, Big Macs That's with no fries. So funny! Oh you my know? gosh! But uh, so I keep kicking over. I use this. There's a tiny trash can under this desk. I keep I using it as a footstool, but I keep kicking it over. Oh, okay, nice. Um, but yeah, dude. Uh, tell me, tell me a recent embarrassing story. That's funny. Like, tell me oh, like God. a recent embarrassing story. A recent embarrassing. story. Do you have any story. good poop stories recently? Not recently. <laughs> I do have one when I was in college, though. Oh, shoot. Do you want to go down this rabbit hole, or do you have an embarrassing, I, a, a different embarrassing story to tell? I don't know if I have an embarrassing story that I can think of recently. Oh, the oh, this is, sorry, transitioning back to what we were saying earlier, uh, I'm not confident about knowing, like, my intelligence or knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. The reason why I think I'm, like, good at this sort of shit is because I'm really confident in my ability to fuck up. Like I'm really confident about being able to like I know I'm gonna make mistakes and like I'm really confident in my ability to make them and learn from them. But that's super super freeing, right? In the last part that you said, sorry, that was like the, super no, no, back, no, no, no. way it's, back. It's that last part that you kind of snuck in, right? It's it's not just that you're confident that you're gonna fuck up. I think anybody, any tactician, understands that you're gonna make mistakes. It's oh, you're yeah. confident in your ability to learn from the mistakes. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's the difference I see honestly from professionals and amateurs. Too professionals Ooh, go into this. Go into professionals this. make mistakes all the time. I think if anything, you probably are making more mistakes than than not. But it's it's what you're learning from those mistakes to then to to own different skills from it. But yeah, I I mean I relate a lot to that too. I think um, like I'm, I'm I literally sometimes like say out loud I'm a professional mistake maker. Sure, a professional fuck up. Right. Like, I'm like, I literally get paid from the mistakes that I make. Right. But you wouldn't be who you were now and you wouldn't oh, know yeah, what you, great. without those mistakes too. My, like, I, like if, if the metaphorically I've burnt my hand on the stove so much that like, they're more like nubs, but like, dude, I have great nubs, <laughs> like metaphorical nubs, bro. Oh my God. <laughs> like no fingerprints anymore. Right. <laughs> metaphorically speaking, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, uh, but. <laughs> so funny. Uh, dude, yeah, I'm like, I'm really good at burning my hands on the stove. And like, and I do it, like I'll do things that are stupid knowing that they're stupid because I want to feel the burn. Mm. 
Like, because I feel like I won't properly learn the principle behind why people say that shit or like why people say things until I do it. Yeah, no, that's powerful. And I, and I do relate a lot to that too. In my own practice, like I try, I have a sort of a freedom about it because I know that I know it's going to suck at the beginning. And then because I've experienced the process of building something from shit to gold, I, I, I feel weird even saying that, but from something that's not good to good, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, At yeah. the very least. Um, and seeing that along that process, it's not, it's not just a clear path, right? It's, you're going to have ups and debt lows and, and, um, and you're going to make mistakes that maybe set you all the way back to the beginning. But as long as you have the tenacity to like see it through, you will get to the end result in some oh, yeah. capacity. And I think that's the freedom I have whenever I'm working on something. I might get overwhelmed and be like, oh my God, I'm, I'm definitely not doing this today. But it's like the next day, it's a little bit easier. The third day, it's like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. And then by the end of the week, I've got it in my hands, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and then I've unlocked some new skill for the next time that that kind of thing happens. And I think that goes back to like what you're saying right now goes back to why I tell my son, boys don't cry. Which, by the yeah. way, I only say that when he's, to clarify, I only say that when... He's trying um, to as a way to simpli- as a way to simplify what I mean. Like I don't really mean boys don't cry. You're just trying what to I mean not is encourage like in this, yeah, like the manipulation to, aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I want him to have like a sense of like pride in his manlyhood. That's kind of like a James Clear identity, use of identity kind of thing. Totally. Like I want him to feel manly as like a form of like he has pride in his manliness. Yeah. And so like he's going to choose to face up to it. But anyway, uh, but when when he like cries because he's sad, like I'll let him talk about it. Totally. And I won't say that to him when he's sad. Right. And but, that's uh, beautiful but, but, but to like, encourage that. Yeah. But going back to the reason why I talk about that is because um, this is so interesting. Like no matter whether or not my son cries or not, he's going to have to deal with this. Right. And if you cry, like, and it's so easy to see it in his situation because his his problems are so small so small so you can kind of see it in in that perspective and you're like oh my gosh like literally if you just didn't cry and ate this food <laughs> like mom is asking like right. it'd be so much easier and you get what you want you get what you want yeah. like you can have ice cream afterwards like right. we promised you but it's the fact that you're crying and refusing to eat this last bite you're gonna do it regardless or not anyway because we're all gonna be eating ice cream right you know and you're not gonna you're gonna want to eat it and you're gonna have to go back. Now you're gonna have to eat food that's cold. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And it's it's less delicious. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like you're gonna have to deal with it either way. Why not just deal with it now? And why why are you adding an extra step? And I think that's like, and I'm trying to tie that to a sense of pride that I'm hoping to develop in him, like a good pride. Right. Right. No, that's awesome though. I think that's important too. Uh, uh, like, I I think. I I think a lot of parents are trying to maybe stifle that pride in in your gender and it feels like in this treading into some some tricky territory i think a little bit but that said i think it's undeniably true that men and female are very different and there are some aspects of life that have to be handled a little bit differently and i think having pride pride in in it being able to feel strong as a man or as a as a woman i think is a huge part of empowerment um, and, and I think that like you trying to impart that into your children is really powerful. I want, I want to dive deeper into this tricky territory yeah. and I love the, the word different because it doesn't include, but it doesn't infer even the idea of better. Right. So here's the thing. Let's say that, have you ever read the book flowers for Algernon? I have not. Great book. It's about a, a dude that is retarded 
and mentally retarded, and he gets ne- like neural surgery, gets some chemicals implanted in his brain. He becomes one of the smartest men in the entire world. Oh, wow. And he, it, the book is about, it's like his journal. So you can see how he's writing really bad grammar and spelling, and then it gets really good, really intelligent. And then at the very, very end of the book, he loses it all again. Go back oh, to wow. his original state. The, the reason, and it's a science fiction book. It's obviously not real. Sure, sure. But- it it kind of dives into the philosophical idea of like is intelligence tied directly tied to happiness in some way or another, and so like being smart is like we perceive it as something that's better, but in the book it was the worst thing that could have ever happened to him. Right. And it was an incredibly sad book. And this is like what you're talking about too. It's like I'm I feel very smart, but it's also because I'm very dumb, kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm aware of so many of my uh, the the gaps in my knowledge, or that I have so much to yeah, learn, yeah. kind of a thing that makes you smarter in some yeah. ways right <laughs> because we're dumb yeah, yeah yeah so the splashes of ideas that i'm trying to connect together now is the idea of intelligence being tied with happiness and also the idea that what we perceive as better is not always better it's not always being better, smarter right? may seem better More but that was than. actually like not like it can be it's all based on perspective so like the fact that like men and women are different shouldn't upset anybody because women are statistically smarter than men in a lot of different like researchable like executable data like in a data for sure yeah like, on just on paper there are in a lot of different many many things that women do just statistically better than men yeah and like and men are have more muscle sure. structure sure but at the expense of we're really not flexible, you know. Like, like we yeah. can't, we're really not, you know. Uh, um, oh shoot, the camera has been been sliding down slowly. But um, uh, but yeah, so it's it's just like what's better and what's not. And I think that going back to the idea of another splash idea that I'm trying to tie together as well is where does gratitude come from? And gratitude really Mm. does not come from unhealthy places. So it's like people that are cutting me off in the street or like whatever, like being really rude. Mm. uh, Like what we've always heard that it's mostly a reflection of what's going on with their problems, Mm -hmm. but it's, you got to understand, like, I feel like that's more true than ever to me recently, because as I'm working on being super honest and open with people, I'm recognizing a lot of these people have not, dealt with their shit like dealt with their trauma and it's like not only hurting them but it's hurting people around them Mm -hmm. and so it's like going back to the idea like society's a bitch man right and like if you don't deal with that shit someone's gonna my like i don't really want to share this sort of stuff but like um i've cut off all ties with my father completely Mm -hmm. um and uh there's a lot of stuff going on not just with me but with my family and my wife as well and uh that really sucks. Like watching that. Uh, remember at the end of the movie when she's like, I don't, I, you suck too, but I don't know why, but I still want to be here with you. Right. She like negged her before she, Part, like, when, yeah. when that happened, it's like, yeah, my dad at the end of the day, no matter how much of a dick I am to him or vice versa, like he wants me there. Right. But he lost that privilege. Right. And like, there was like a little bit of that going through my mind now. Um, and like, it sucks because I want him to be there. Like as a man, yeah. a kid needs his father. And sure. I'm like, a, you know, every adult is like a, but it's, it's just, it's really unfortunate that happened. But um, on some level, I'm sure you'd want him to be a part of your child. Your but he's got to figure it too. out. But he, it's, yeah. that's not your job. That's for him yeah, to figure out. He's got to figure that shit out. So if he, if he was dead serious, like if he came to me right now and said, Hey DK, like I want to see you and the family again. Like my, res- if I decide to respond, which I probably wouldn't, mm-hmm. um, not probably for a while. I mean, it's been like many years, 
since we've even last spoke. Do and you honestly think that that would ever happen? I th- I hope that it would, but what it would come down to is like he has to agree to take therapy and fix himself. Yeah. And I'm not talking like it goes back to like the idea of like he has to fix himself, but it's not for me to like or it's it goes back to the idea like I'm trying to teach him a lesson. It's not for that. It's because in order for us to work together, mm-hmm. like it's not healthy for me and my wife and my children to see you in this state. Sure. So you got to figure your shit out. And the thing is like he's getting old, dude. And Which so like his neuroplasticity of like being able to recognize and become aware and to change that is t- his time's running out. Pretty in much, fact, yeah. in fact, uh, if I could guess like just the, the part of the reason why we left is because I think time has already run out. Right. And I'm not going to judge that and say like, right. this is how it is. But I, what I am saying that like, if he's got to make a change, he's got to make it sooner than later. For sure. For or sure. else he's going to become like your mom and watch that movie and not get anything <laughs> out of it. <laughs> oh man. But I, I'm sure that your mom. I'm sure that your mom is a much better parent than uh, than my dad was. So, my mom was a great parent. I both my parents were were awesome. Had a very lovely childhood. Dude, my dad was a super cool guy. That this is the big complex I have. Yeah, he was like a really cool dude, really good person, but just toxic. Just like really narcissistic father. Yeah. And uh, it was just really unfortunate because like, and like, there's lots of really great memories I have with him. That's like, good though. That you still yeah. have, have positive like, memories. Really about it. positive. Not all positive. negative. Yeah. 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 And then there's like really, really yeah, shitty ones. Sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it wasn't like all bad, um, which also makes it even harder. Yeah. You know, I bet. Right. Because you you know what it could have been, and yeah. how good it could be, and and everything. So uh, going back to uh, your embarrassing story. Sorry, going back to the okay. Topic, did, so did you, did you think I was of playing one? in a, a wedding band in college, and we cover, uh, cover it was a cover band, yeah, uh-huh. a wedding band. Or in the in the East Coast, they call it GB General Business. Uh, they kind of call it different things depending where you are and um, regionally, but that doesn't matter. So we had a regular gig in Rhode Island every Thursday night. I believe. what. What is Rhode Island? That's a state? It's a very, very small state with like <laughs> one entrance in and the same way you get out of it. Um, <laughs> is it really? Pretty much, yeah. There's like well, two highways that go through it. Um, I Don't quote me on that, but it, I remember there only being two ways to get into It's very small, yeah, yeah, It's yeah. a very small state. It's not a joke. It's a real it's place. It's not a joke. Very real place. I was living in Boston, went to school in Boston, and I was part of a seven-piece wedding band or GB band, and we would play this club partially to basically have a paid rehearsal, right? Instead of booking a rehearsal, we'd be like, all right, we have four hours. Like these are the six tunes we need to know for these weddings that are coming up, learn them and we'll run them at the gig. And we each walk away with a couple hundred bucks. It's like a paid rehearsal basically, uh, which in college was like a very novel thing, right? Yeah, now yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm probably not showing up to rehearsal unless you're paying kind of a thing now. Um, but then, uh, yeah, so we, we had this residency there. So we would play every Thursday night, and these are long sets. We would start, you know, probably 10 p.m. and end at 2 a.m. And oh, then I was in a I was in a wedding band. I know. How oh, really? Go. Yeah. Oh, hilarious. I love it. Um, and then and then we would drive, you know, but hour and a half, two hours home. So I'm not getting home oh, it's usually far. until like three, four, four a.m. Sometimes I'm having to drop people off along the way. So I was very often getting home after four a.m. Sometimes having to go to class at nine a.m. the next day. 
Oh, that's right. Cause it's a Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I had eaten, I forgot what I had eaten. It was probably the chicken cordon bleu because that was the meal that I got every night. Um, every Dude, time there. Chicken cordon bleu. It man. was like the sandwich, bro. It was like oh. that and ginger ale. That was the sugar baby's oh, meal. That's yeah. two dangerous combinations. I, I, know. Can, I can say, I and, love where this is going. And so, okay. So we finish, I can already feel some, some bubbles happening, but I'm like, I can make it. I can power through this. I can make oh, it home, no. right? Oh, no. So I- uh, The confidence is terrifying. Yeah, I get about halfway. And this is also part of the drive. There's a stretch of the drive where there's like 40 minutes with no gas station. It's like, it's that type of a road. So I'm, it becomes pretty clear to me 20 minutes into the drive that it's like, I'm gonna need to stop. So I'm kind of keeping an eye out. I'm like, I know in the next 20 minutes or 20 miles, there's a gas station. Like there's the one big gas station. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm going to play it off. Like I just got to pee really badly. And, and, you know, it's like, I had the shame of like, I don't want them to think I'm like about to just have a crazy, crazy <laughs> explosive diarrhea thing. Um, but, uh, that, that failed ultimately. So I go in, you know, I'm like, I'll be back really short. And they're like, all right, cool, whatever, you know, they're chilling, but they're also ready to go home and go to sleep. So I go in, there's someone in the bathroom. So I'm pacing outside waiting, right? Oh no. Like kind of clamping. Yeah. Like really unfortunate. And, and, but it's, it's, it's coming out at this point. Um, and so they come, they come out, I just dash in. I don't even look, I just pants down and, and do my thing, you know, probably like probably a minute or two later, I'm like feeling a wave of calm, you know, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, past this crazy storm of what's happened. And then I'm also like, okay, cool. I also am in a window where everything could be cool. Like that can get out of there. And they just be like, I just tell them I had to wait. Right. Um, and then I look over and there's no toilet paper. And so I'm just like, shit, what do I do? Do I just like pull it up and just like, you know, go to the front and maybe ask or like, I was like, no, I don't, I didn't have enough. I didn't have, because he saw me go in there. What did you do? How did you, how did you deal with this? So I, I, I used the sink. (laughs) You used the sink. You just wiped your bum. I wiped my bum. And then that was it a private single bathroom, single bathroom. That was the only way I could have worked. Yeah. 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 That's why it was locked. I was like, I imagine you like, 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 like butt in the sink and someone comes in yeah oh my gosh and so yeah and then there that's, were no paper towels too so i literally had to like just air dry air dry my butt yeah wow dude yeah but th- they knew by the time i got back the guy was like 15 minutes later because oh, yeah and they're just like laughing and i told them the story and they just would never let me live that down oh dude i imagine like you you said you described you didn't look before you sat down, so I thought that you had shit on top of a clogged toilet. Oh, that would have been awful, too. I was like, that's where my mind went. I have another embarrassing uh, wedding man story now that we're, we're talking oh, about really? this. Yeah, this one was a wedding. Um, and so the band leader uh, decided to stop. We were So we would also do these like Thursday, Friday. So when we were like working, we would, you know, in the peak of this band, we like 2014 not.com best band in new England. So we were working. So we would do clubs Thursday, Friday, and then weddings, Saturday, Sunday, sometimes weddings, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm-hmm. and then come back to, uh, to Boston. Sometimes we were popping. We go all over. Yeah. I mean, you're, um, you're a fantastic keys player. Oh, so you're thanks, probably man. like, it was a, it was a fun gig. I, I say, I learned more about performance playing in a wedding band than, um, than doing the a- after performance this story. I need to, I need some, uh, ideas of how to perform behind 
keyboards where okay. your fingers, the precision of your fingers have to be there. And you're stationary. But yeah, yeah, you're stationary. <laughs> but how do you perform with that? Anyway, finish your story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we, this was the end of a run. Like this was going into a Sunday and we had a wedding somewhere in New England. It wasn't in Boston, but it was like, you know, outside for sure in, in the East coast. And, um, we had just got up from our hotels and, and he's like, I'm going to stop at Taco Bell. And me and the saxophone is Robert. That's always a great decision. Especially right before a wedding where I was playing both the ceremony, the cocktail hour, and the reception. Oh, so, you're doing like so solo jazz. Some, sometimes like, so I was doing classical for the uh, the ceremony, like ja duo me and the saxophonist, which is even funnier mm -hmm. too, because he's a very important part of the story. Um, and then um, and then the full band would do the reception. Uh -huh. um, so normally it's just cocktail reception and they would have like a quartet or something, but we offered that, that, that ability to do that. Um, so this was one of those weddings. Um, we go to Taco Bell and our band leader says, um, I'll pay for your meal if you can eat 20 tacos. And me and Robert look at each other and we're like, all right, let's do it. And so I, uh, we each got 20 tacos. I got 20 hard shell, 20 soft. And I will say the soft was the, the mistake for sure. I ate all 20. I did. Uh, did not feel great. He made it like 16, 18. Uh, he definitely didn't do it, do all 20. So I remember my meal was free. Um, I'm feeling like, you know, like super happy. I'm just like, I just ate 20 tacos. I feel awesome. And we're, you know, driving to the, the venue. I'm like, that, but that natural competitiveness just came out. It just came out. Yeah. And I'm also kind of aware that like, there's a countdown. Like it's, there's some sort of like, my body's not going to just take this. Like, she's not going to allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah. But by some miracle, I make it through the, the, um, ceremony, you know, we get to the venue, we change into our clothes. I get set up, I make it through the ceremony. And then as I'm going into the cocktail hour, I realized that it's, I, I'm not going to make it through this cocktail hour. So I, I subbed in the guitar. So I was like, Tony, you got to come in and do the guitar. So they, they did a guitar and saxophone. Robert somehow made it through. He probably dealt with it when I was doing the ceremony, to be honest. Um, so he was fine, but yeah, that I managed to make that through very well, but I was, I was mortified. I don't think anyone knew, but that was embarrassing for me. Yeah. That that's like, it's like an internal embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm low-key still proud I ate 20 tacos. Dude, I have I have a, I have a story. Can I share a story about Please. there's Do you know what Tim Tams are? Yeah. You were in Australia. I they gave me Tim Tams on the flight back. Okay, you know what Tim Tam Slam is? I don't no. know if this is like a Japanese thing or like an Australian thing. You get hot chocolate, right? Okay. Hot chocolate and you bite off both ends of the Tim Tam biscuit. And you suck the hot chocolate through the Tim Tam like a straw and okay. it melts the chocolate inside the Tim Tam. And then after it kind of like suck, after you kind of like, after it melts everything, you suck the entire Tim Tam. So now you just had like extra chocolatey Tim Tam and that's like a Tim Tam slam. Sounds kind of fire, it's, dude. It's delicious, bro. Tim Tams come in pack of 10. Okay. Or 11, 11, unless you get the special kind. They're, the, the different flavors, they come in packs of nine. So it's like the same price, but you get less. That's why that's how they do the, the price differences for the various different variations. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, I was in a meeting, a managerial meeting, and one of my people that I was in charge of was brag. We were just like fucking around, you know, just talking. And he's like, hey, this week, my celebration is I ate and slammed 26 Tim Tams. And and I don't know if you, like, 
well, you got to try this Tim Tam Slam thing. Yeah. You have oh, two and you're like done. Yeah. No, like, they're, you're they're two pretty and rich. They're really yeah. rich. And then on top of that, you're drinking hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. That's like milk based, right? I mean, so, 26. I'm also thinking from the view, I, as I mentioned before, I'm counting calories. I'm just like, that's like my total calorie calories for the day. Like, <laughs> Yo, so like I remember and I like that competitive alpha dog came yeah. out and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm going to beat that. And so what I did is that weekend. I bought three packs, so 33 30. Tim Tams. Okay, 33. Oh, yeah, that's right. 11. I ate and slammed 25 Tim Tams. Oh, my God. I went to the bathroom, threw it up, <laughs> and then finished the rest of the 33 Tim Tams. Oh, my God. And then yeah. he, he like fought over the definition of, you know. He's like, you got to hold it down. Because, yeah. yeah, you got to hold it down. You can't throw it up. That's cheating. And I'm yeah. like, dog, I, I slammed 33 Tim Tams. This is like my friend that we did this like the, hilarious. do you know the gallon challenge? Yeah. I did the gallon challenge at least like five times when I was in high school. Wow. So like three times where I threw up due to too much. I was going to say, lack. that's like four times too many to do yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did it four times too many yeah. times. Uh, and uh, uh, I remember one of my buddies one time, he's like, he's a he's stupid, okay? And he, he's like, I like I like strawberry, and I don't really like milk, so why don't I get strawberry milk? Oh It'll make God. it better. And he had this quick strawberry milk, and he was drinking it. And I remember him, when you throw up milk, dog, from the gallon challenge, you're like, not only are you Bro. fucking bloated, but it's gross. So you want to throw up. It's all like Bro, mucusy and yeah. threw up. Oh. Greenish, reddish, pinkish oh, milk no. <laughs> that was like partially already fermented from the stomach acid. Oh you know, it's just like just threw it up, and then he keeps drinking. Oh, savage, like, savage! It's just like, damn, that was probably one of the most manly things I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, Loki, I gotta respect it a <laughs> like little bit. That, like, <laughs> like he he grew a few chest hairs from that. Right, just from that day alone. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's so funny, man. Yeah, shit like that, bro. Um, oh, do you know the Icy Hot Challenge? I did that when I was a kid, too. Re refresh me on the Icy Hot Challenge. So you put there. Icy Hot on your balls? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The same friend that drank. Like, it's 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 so painful that, like, it's not funny. Right. Like, it's, it's, it's it like, genuinely just, like, like no, uncomfortable. It's, it's painful. It hurts. I used to put Icy Hot on my knees because I had, like, Osgood Slatter's syndrome, like basically just like oh, I was thing, really the, tall and it just, yeah, my knees just were not meant for running. And I, they, I was a midfielder in soccer and basically the most running. Uh, but yeah, I would just have to like put icy hot on my knees and that gave good relief. So I, uh, dude, I yeah, can only on imagine the most sensitive the, part of yeah. your stretchiest skin. Anyway, dude, it, like it's, it it's, 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 it's not funny. It's like, it's just like, there's like a moment, like as it's getting hot or cold or whatever, just burning, <laughs> like it's starting to burn. It's like, ha ha ha. And then like, after like, uh, like 30 seconds, you're like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Like, like that's like, it's just not funny immediately anymore. Regretting like, have you your seen, life decisions. have you seen like you watch, uh, the, the, the hot ones? Yeah. yeah like yeah. where like, there's some guests where it's like so hot where it's just like, it's like not funny anymore. Yeah. Like it's like that. They get really serious. They're like, like, like there's like a couple guests on that show where like they lost their accents. Yeah. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. it's just like they couldn't keep up the facade, so which is funny. why I love that interview show. Anyway, it's, it's like that. It's just like, it's so painful. It's like, what's going on? The same guy that drank, uh, his name is Trenton, by the way, one of my best friends. Legend. And um, Trenton, this goes out to you if you ever listen to this episode. Anyway, Trent, what he did is he not only did it, but he like held on for 30 minutes straight. 
What so like what are you supposed to do to like like I, I don't know it, like, I don't know if there's most people the can't handle it I don't know you just go in the bath and, and just like scrub scrub I guess I feel like that would make it worse though I like, don't know the water. dude I don't know but I remember this dude doing it for like thirty minutes and then after thirty minutes I guess you go numb or it's like it stops right, the right, effect right. and like he just kept it on for an hour and I remember like the same guy that drank that gallon of strawberry milk is now toughing out the icy hot challenge i was like damn what's he uh but, but the the difference is like i can have kids you know yeah <laughs> yeah he, that was the day he lost the ability to have kids so yeah <laughs> well we don't know yet if he can uh, he hasn't tried out. yet but uh that's funny i know for a fact i can say i can have kids yo kaiko is a fertile myrtle dude oh my God. <laughs> fertile we won't myrtle. even get into that that's um, hilarious bro uh but anyway uh <laughs> that's a good storytelling tell us uh some some tips for young keyboard players that are trying oh, to gig performing performing behind, behind keys man what's some tips yeah so i i mean is it the hips bro is I, it all in the hips it's funny i didn't stand up behind a keyboard until like maybe mid-college i was probably 1920 the first time i i remember the moment i was playing in a rock band and i was kind of coming from this classical jazz uh mentality where i'm seated i'm always seated 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 um that's fine so, seated 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 yeah um and i was playing in this band and we kind of had this unique opportunity to have a master class with this sort of performance coach and he you know, famously worked with Taylor Swift back in the day and a bunch of like oh, other, cool. a lot of like he, basically a lot of what he worked with are like worship bands or, you know, local bands to help them to kind of just, just visually to help their. their oh, really? He's like, literally like a stage choreographer. Literally what his job was. And oh, that is such a cool job. So he's not like a choreographer. He just makes sure that you don't look like, like, like bacon. He was the person to me that imparted the idea of creating moments in a show. And that idea has always stuck with me as a musical director and as a keyboardist too. Like you want to create memorable things throughout the uh, throughout the performance, right? Whether like it's- Like show your ass. Exactly, right? Like moon the crowd or, or like, you know, like, uh, you know, like having the guitar solo. But it could even be simple things, right? Like the guitarist stepping forward during their solo, right? Oh. Or, or like having a very specific moment where you tell a heartfelt story so to set up a song. No, there's definitely like, I've seen a lot of bands where like specific members of the bands just have no showmanship. Right, right. It's just not natural. I luckily I was blessed to have like stupid good showmanship. I think, but like yeah, I'm part realizing, of that's yeah. like not taking yourself too seriously. I think, um, and I think that's honestly something I've learned. I used to. Be you told you were stiff. very serious. It was very stiff, and I was coming like from a pianist, classical bro. and jazz tradition, right? So it was very. It's kind of a stuffy tradition. I love that music, but like there that whole crowd is has a lot of elitism and a lot of like unwillingness to be open. Um, to you know, evolving past a certain. Are you talking about classical? Era. I'm talking about both classical and jazz. Oh, okay, um, okay. Just sort of the attitude that overwhelmingly kind of prevails in those camps. Obviously, there's exceptions to those rules, and there's people you know furthering those traditions. But I mean, it's sad that they're not a popular form of music right now, and and not very common. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking jazz has started at least in my personal life. Jazz and similar things similar to jazz is kind of taking a big hold in my life right now. I love like it's that. it's becoming a bigger deal. That's cool. And I'm I'm hoping that with the slow um decline of trap specifically that we're we're starting to see 
um, not rap, but trap. Trap specifically. Uh, low yeah. effort trap. Right, right, right. Uh, is I'm hoping that with that, there's like a, I mean, like brain feeder, bro. Trap like, is kind of becoming more of a novelty where it's like, oh, you have the trap. Like it's fun to get tri- like, yeah. but it's like punk music. It's like, yeah. like there's a time and place for like non-technical punk music, just totally. rage and angst. And just pure, like, yeah, pure, um, like emotion. Yeah, trap is just feeling. punk music to me, you know? Okay. Like it's, it's, it's like, we all need it, but it's like, it's not. It's not the end all. Yeah, it's not like. Or there's you, not too much substance to it if that's the yeah, only yeah, yeah, form yeah, yeah. of, of art. It's you're, very you're juvenile. Consuming. Yeah, totally. Not that there's but anything like wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, if that's your only, there's not much depth to you as a as a listener if that's the only thing you're. But I mean, you to. listen to these artists from like, uh, is it Flying Lotus? His his label, Brain Feeder, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like that's uh, Lewis Cole and Thundercat. Thundercat, right? Like it's like Lewis Cole is not a jazz guy. But in a but way, I get like, what you're saying. They're they they are sort of depth. the newest generation that is closest to continuing the tradition of clowncore. Jazz. I don't know if they're part of Brain Feeder. I don't think they are. Do you know clowncore? I don't. You, we're gonna have a blast after okay. this podcast. I'm excited. Uh, but uh, yeah, clowncore is fantastic. I I can't. wait. It is terrifying. And it sounds kind of terrifying. So it's, it's something I can't show my wife who's terrified. No, of you're going to, uh, oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to terrify her. Uh, but, um, but so I remember we were in this master class, right? And uh, this guy, he points to me and he he just points and he says, Arise. <laughs> like, and I was like, uh, Okay. And so I like sheepishly stand up and he's like, From now on, you, you get, perform standing up. You're getting the priesthood, dog. Oh, Arise. 100%. And I was just like, Okay, whatever. And then like, we played the song and I was like, oh yeah, I actually have more mobility now. I can kind of rock out a little bit, even though I'm still stationed, I'm still kind of boxed in. It really, and then visually it like, I saw photos and video afterwards and I was like, oh yeah, I look way cooler too. Like, Mm. and then I also started playing more gigs and then just started just by default standing. There's parts that Mm. suck about standing too. I actually, when I moved to LA, I played in a rock band, a trio where I played bass um, split my keyboard so that that went to a bass amp through bass pedals to be believable as a bass sound. And then the top half went to a keyboard amp or like a PA system that uh, would do organ and other piano sounds. Um, but I sat when I played with that group. Um, and the reason for it is because I had a lot of pedal stuff to do and it was really difficult for me to like hold a sustain pedal and also do a volume pedal while standing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I still, I I'm still just trying to imagine you like balancing on basically, basically two fulcrums. Yeah, like tiptoe. Just two fulcrums, like just on. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's rough. Even <laughs> even now, I have to make compromises with how what I'm doing with my feet when I'm performing standing. But visually, I understand it looks so much better standing. And, um, and it's easier to perform. But uh, I, I'm also someone who's very much so, I think most performers, they, they like to feed off of the audience's energy, right? So if you're not getting much from the audience, it's hard to perform, right? It's hard to sort of get into that. That said, I'm a professional and I'm able to perform whether there's five people in the audience or 50,000 people in the audience. Yeah. And I'm able to put on what I think, what I would want to see as a show. And I, and part of that is I want to see the people on stage having fun, even if it's fake, right? Even yeah. if they're just like rocking out on stage and-, and I mean, you've, you've had the experience of playing to like five, 10 people. Sure. And you've also had the experience of playing to tens of thousands. Have you played to 100,000 or more yet? I haven't played to 100,000. But like, what's yeah. your biggest crowd? Like 80,000, mm. like close to 100,000? 
my head in the clouds. That was probably like 20, 30,000 realistically. Still, that's yeah. crazy. 20,000 is like the entire marathon. The LA yeah. Marathon. That's probably closest to the biggest audiences I played. So many people. I did, um, I, the wedding band I played with did the Christmas tree lighting in Boston. And that was probably 80,000 people. Plus, mm. like not including the people watching on TV too. That's but so crazy. That was crazy, yeah. How was playing it something like Head in the Clouds? Like, oh, I, I where it's love like it. there's like physical distance between the stage because it's such a big so, thing, right? There's pros and cons. I I love it because you know obviously you look out and you see this mass of people, right? And you can and especially when it's nighttime and they're you know I, I used to feel sort of way about like oh it's Grandpa Jonah like they're on their phones oh you know everyone's on their phone everyone is on their phones now. When I grew up going to concerts like. You didn't see that. And like when the song was down, people pull out their lighters, right? That's not a thing now. But I'm, I do have found an appreciation for on like the slower songs, like when people pull out their flashlights and seeing the sea of like lights. It's a very powerful thing, right? Oh, yeah. Um, that said, it's way more disconnecting playing to an audience like that than playing in a club or a theater um, where you can see the back of the room. And, um, there still might be a thousand people or 5,000 people in that room or even a club where there's just a couple hundred people. I, um, I, I like things about all of that, but I, I think that there's an intimacy and a direct energy that I can directly feel from an audience in a smaller, like I'm playing at the Roxy next week with a, with an artist. And that's a great venue because it's big. It's got a great sound system. It can fit 1500 people in there, but it's also feels like a nightclub. It feels intimate. And I can, I can see the people feet away from me rather than like a hundred feet away and a big barrier. And then a security guards kind of a thing. So to me, who's a little bit uh, sensitive in that regard to energies, um, I really do enjoy different things about playing smaller rooms than the big stage. Obviously there's pros to playing big stages too. It's a massive stage. Yeah, and like yeah. there, those types of shows often have way more stage production. So they'll have video walls and they'll have pyrotechnics and oh, crazy yeah. lights and smoke. And you know, I can't imagine the adrenaline that comes when you're playing a hype song and fire comes out of the ground. Yeah, dude. It's pretty intense. bro. <laughs> like that, that's just exciting to just think about. Yeah, totally. Yeah, have you ever crowd surfed before? In high school, yeah, In high school, I did. Yeah, I was. Uh, I definitely was like, kind of aligned with the punk rock kind of lifestyle yeah. aesthetic for for a big part of my high school. I mean, even now you only wear black. I think it kind of shows. That's true. That's sort it's of the musician's of- uniform too, though. Like <laughs> it's just like when in doubt, wear black. It's kind of the most that's, neutral that's thing. You're that's not gonna facts. offend someone with logos. Except, uh, dude, at the Grammys, bro, that's it's the funniest thing. The Grammys is a black tie event, but like. Who's wearing black ties? Like, I mean, like, yeah. in the sense of, like, nobody's wearing a tux, dog. Everybody's like, trying to Harry show Harry Styles out. shows up in a jump in a suspe- jumpsuit, or dude. Or, like, like, a dress or something, yeah. <laughs> like, what? I, I thought Harry. this was black tie. Yeah. Like, oh, man. It's, like, at certain points, like, we understand you're creative, but, like, and you want to stand out, but. It's a little bit of a, kind of a look at, at me. At the Oscars, I'm... they're all wearing suits. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're all wearing tuxedos. Right. That's interesting. So like, I... it's, it's, like, how much should the Grammys, like, force people to actually dress appropriately for the sake of like the PR of the Grammys. Like if people want to take the Grammys more seriously, should they dress the part? That's an interesting thing. I don't know if how much like leeway they'd get. A lot of the artists are just going to do whatever they want. If, they're, if they're, they're at that level. The last Grammys that my wife and I went to, um, there was like a, 
someone that wore like a blinking LED <laughs> rainbow flag. Oh like, my gosh. Uh, what is it called? Superman has a cape? Cape. cape yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a cape, but it's like blinking LEDs. And like you think when they're sitting in the crowd, they turn it off. Oh, it was on. It the was whole on time? the entire That's so time. So distracting. The entire time. That's crazy. And I could see them from all the way across. Was it a celebrity or was it just no? Some they, they were like, they were in like in the medium seats. They weren't that's, in the cheap seats. They were in the medium really seats. Really funny. Though. And it was just like funny. I remember thinking like, like wow, like you're in desperate. You're that desperate for attention. Like, that's also weird for me to think about. However, I, uh, we we won't get into it this time. But I mean, uh, we are in the city of of people desperate for attention. That's crazy, and I love how democratized attention is nowadays. Mm. Uh, I talk about that often on the podcast, where it's like there's never been a time ever in the history of mankind in any society ever that attention has been this democratized, right? And and monetized. Oh, monetized. Oh, nice. <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, no, for real though. It's You're like totally such a right. good thing. Yeah. Um, Which makes me go into, did you hear about Spotify doing the 30% cuts for uh, discoverability mode? You heard no, about this? No, no, no. Tell so me. So Spotify just released that they're going to do like uh, more features. They're going to do like a big makeover on the app and they're going to make discoverability a big thing so like you know how like when you do like playlists there's like now they have an option to do like magic shuffle where it's like other songs that are not in your playlist that sound similar to it or like statistically data data wise you're probably going to like this they'll like add songs that you've never heard before which is great for artists because then you get discovered right right right. um so especially now because playlists have kind of become like just it's it's kind of now like you have to know people to get on it yeah yeah, it's like very hard to break through as a completely independent artist yeah Yeah, so um, because of that, and discoverability is a big thing. I mean, that's why YouTube yeah. is so good is because a big the part of that, yeah, videos. being recommended. And their algorithm's pretty good. Like if it's I watch slow, one video about like, I, I've started watching this magician, this Australian magician. It's hilarious. And, and but like, because I subscribed to him and watched, tapped on his video, immediately my feet got flooded with other magicians. And I'm like, I don't want to watch these other magicians. I just want to oh, watch this one great. dude. But it actually has led to me discovering like a bunch I mean, of other people that The success I of my podcast is 100% based on algorithm. Sure. Like it's not because I'm really good. I have a lot of friends and I'm really good at reminding them to listen to the podcast. It's because Spotify and Apple Podcasts continues to recommend like, and the name of my show, Mixing Music it's like that was on purpose because right. that's like a hot keyword search. Totally. So that's that's very SEO centric. So it's like um, algorithms are incredibly important and very vital. And so there's um, a lot of like Twitter debate, l- low IQ Twitter debate of like ungrateful artists that are like, this is uh, um, this is set whatever it is taking advantage of the small artists taking away our small measly numbers already and then forcing us to pay 30% for extra discoverability and it's like so that's what it is that's you, crazy you're paying to to be able to so be they're gonna they're gonna prioritize discoverability they're doing some sort of like tiktok thing where like there's a carousel that you can scroll through and listen to other songs but you like have that. to actually pay you have to, to give up eligible. 30% of your royalties oh. in order to be, become as an independent artist become part of the discoverability and here's the thing like it sucks that yeah. they take your money that's but not the thing ideal. is it's not ideal, but at the same time, you can just like not post on Spotify. Let's start there. Yeah, right. right. You can just like boycott Spotify. Sure. But obviously, ain't no artist that's going to do that because there's some benefit. Like it's kind of like 
complaining at YouTube, like, YouTube, you're taking ad revenue. First off, you know how much effort it takes for, for a company to find companies to want to run ads on your bullshit content? Sure. So it's like the process, the fact that they automated it and made it simple for both companies and content creators is like, yeah, you should take a fuck ton of ad revenue from that. For sure. YouTube. For sure. You know, um, I think I would have I would feel less of a way about this if Spotify wasn't already notorious for paying out so little in royalties based off of streams. So then just post your music on Bandcamp. No, I agree. And I'm not saying so that's my argument. I'm not, argument I'm not in the like, camp of to not put your music on Spotify, especially if you're an unknown musician. If you're like if you're established, then you don't need Spotify. You know what I mean? Like if you've got fans who will buy your album, then you don't need Spotify to stream it. It is a convenience thing. And I think that's why you see a lot of artists who did boycott it actually kind of walk it back and then eventually release their catalog on Spotify. But yeah, I Spotify is not a perfect company. I don't think there is such a thing. But um, also, did you know this is crazy? I'm going to throw a statistic on you. Hit me. In 2021, um, 78 percent. No, sorry. Almost. Oh man, I forgot now. I actually have it in my <laughs> downloads, but I I did a whole episode about it. Uh, close to 70 percent of all gross revenue made in the entire recorded music industry came from streaming services. So that's the, the actually fact, surprising. So so the fact, and that's not including live shows, which is incredibly. Right. I was gonna say, I was gonna say that has to exclude live music because oh, yeah, yeah. that's I, that's the I, number one. It's recorded audio, yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. very specific about that. Okay, but, um, got you. This is from RI RIAA, so the, got the company you, got that you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. puts out um, that certifies, like, yeah, yep, certifies yep. records. And uh, so it's crazy to think about. Um, people just don't. I think people are kind of expecting. And this is the one thing I don't like about the music industry is that like the business of music is mostly based around clout where it's like movies. There's like adults who have money enjoy films. Music right. is a young person thing and it's only three minutes. Yeah. And like compared to a film, it's low effort. You know, it's it's high effort, but it's compared to a film. Lower you know? effort than a film. Uh, yeah. Um, it takes. Yeah. It takes less people, less work to do it. Anyway. Uh so I and so because of it's like clout based thing, I have a feeling that people just don't realize that music just doesn't make a lot of money to begin with. Right. And 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 to, in twenty twenty one they made the most amount of money that the music industry made the most amount of money that they've ever made since like the beginning of Napster when it. So crashed. when you say the music industry, like obviously recorded audio, Spotify recorded. is making billions of dollars. So 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 no 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 hold on hold on so so recorded audio. And that's that's different too because when they make billions of dollars, they're also like a data company, right? So it's, it kind of depends. Um, advertisers and whatnot uh, selling their data, which they should do that. But um, what? So I think oh, I, I should just pull up the stats. But it's like pull it's it crazy. Um, you're looking at this this thing, and it's just like that's wild. But it's also not surprising because we we consume everything through our phones or through you know computers these days. So it's like I I would I would be surprised if the like the majority of the way that we consume our music was uh, was anything other than than streaming. Like I would be shocked if it was. I don't think people are buying. I mean, it's people don't buy. Anymore. There's a lot less like certified platinum records. It's a lot harder to have a platinum record these days because people people will not buy a record unless they absolutely love it. And even then, I know plenty I, of people I think I, who I think are, I trashed the file. I, I apologize. It's all good. Um, I know plenty of people who like don't even buy records anymore. And I think something my wife and I have gotten into is actually like 
like we've we've actually started like uh, appreciating vinyl too, and I think something I li- I really like about that that kind of makes me nostalgic for when I was in high school and I would buy a CD, and it was an event. It was an event for me. I remember I would either go in front of my stereo, like I had a little a boombox thing that was like top of the line at the time. Um, probably wasn't, but it, to me it was because it had big speakers. Um, and then you know I you know feel the artwork and look at the liner notes. And then when I had my car, I would like go to parks. There were so many parks in Tulsa, Oklahoma, so I would just go to a park and literally just listen to the album. That was that was it. And sometimes listen to it again, you know, and like look at the liner notes, read the lyrics. And there was this whole event aspect of it. And as I've gotten older, like I can't remember the last time I literally just listened to a record when a new record came out. Mm. It's, and, and, and a lot of the time, even if I am listening to a record, you know, I'm answering an email or I'm on my phone, I'm checking Twitter, or, you know, I'm doing, doing busy work things or, you know, cleaning up the studio, whatever it is, um, and not fully actively engaging with the music. And something I found with the vinyl is it sort of, obviously it's easy to just pick up a screen while you're doing that too, but I've found that it's kind of helped me to connect a little bit more and appreciate. I've also, you know, I'm spending money oh, to dude. buy this thing. So it's like, I'm I'm going to appreciate and see what I can get out of this this art. Yeah, dude, Um, like the effort that you have to use with vinyl, like you have to take care of the vinyl. You, it like, first off, vinyl as a medium just sucks, like technologically. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like the fact that you, to make a vinyl sound good costs so much fucking money and yeah, effort that yeah. by the time you actually sit down and like listen to vinyl records the way that the artist wants you to hear it or the label wants you to hear it, whatever, right. the way that it's intended to be heard, um, you've spent enough effort into it, like now you have to focus on it. Exactly. So it's like there's this appreciation, and psychological appreciation that goes onto it. The ritual of it too. Yeah. Of it that, I, that I think I, I Collecting. Japanese yeah. people love CDs. Yeah. They still haven't left CDs because um, it's they're very big collectors. Interesting. They're big fans. Jap- Japanese are like the best fans for music. Um, oh, another thing as well, a couple other data points that I don't have the exact numbers on, so I'm going to butcher this, but I remember being really surprised. So first off, um, music industry, recording music industry as a whole generated about in 2020, 2021, like close to $21 billion as an industry, Jesus. which in the, as, and that's like worldwide okay. versus like the United States film and TV, like makes 300 to 400 <laughs> billions. billions. Yeah, right. So it's like, it's, versus it's a different the game. gaming industry, which is even, yeah, even more. more than yeah. That. yeah right. So it's a very different game. Like it's totally. a different game. So one, to your, to your initial so, point, so it's not to the point of like, lucrative. if you're complaining, about Spotify not paying enough. One, I think like, first off, like YouTube views don't make that much money either. In fact, YouTube views make less, but there's a lot more discoverability and that's why it's worth it. Um, Actually, I don't know if YouTube views make less. I don't think that's true, actually. Actually, If if you're partnered on YouTube, uh, YouTube has been paying less and less every year and that's true. They they pay out less for views. However, you're right. I I may have missed If you get like, I mean- I remember this is an old metric, but it's still like a super small amount. It used to be if you got a million views on a video and you owned all of it, that was equated to almost $10,000. It's not that anymore, but Spotify, if you get a million streams, that's a couple hundred bucks, like maybe a couple thousand, but you're not like, it's, it's yeah, not enough to pay rent in LA. Yeah. And, and that's crazy. Right. And the fact that one, one, it's evergreen, meaning that if you make fans, 
with vinyl records, like if they bought it, like you took their money and that's it. Unless you printed more vinyl records or they broke it and they had to go back to buy more. Right. So it's like this now you're making money on Spotify for the rest of your life. And it could be like a multi-generational thing. Like your grandkids could be eating, totally. although it's small, but it's like you get more money over the long term. And and that plus the the PRO royalties plus placements, plus, you know, it's 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 a stream Discoverability. of income. And I think it's, I think the bigger picture of it, to your point about someone complaining about Spotify, needs to zoom out and understand that Spotify is one piece of the puzzle of making yeah. money in this industry. And also um, another thing too, it's like actually from the Napster days, I remember reading something ridiculous. I'm going to butcher it. So I'm not going to like, I'm going to do roundabout numbers, but like when it came to the MP3 era, like the Livewire era, yeah. it was like people were spending about 10 to $20 per capita on music per year. Wow. The average person was spending 10 to $20 on music per for year. And that includes concert tickets. It's crazy. I used to spend, it feels like I used to spend way more money. But you're on also music. a musician. That makes, yeah. I would go to concerts and I would also buy a CD. You pay, and, you pay a hundred or a couple hundred bucks for a ticket. Easily. Yeah. I mean, and even still, but like, it averages out like, like during the right. live wire days, people were not making a lot of money. Right. Um, and that's that where sense. like, it's notorious where all the studios shut down, labels had to cut budgets and everything. That's like big deal. Right. Um, it's also sort now, of when there was this shift societally where people, Kind of, and it, we still feel it now where people feel entitled that music should be free. Yeah. It really, that was a shift. It felt like people were willing to pay 12 bucks for a CD in the 90s growing up. And then when Napster, LimeWire, Morpheus, all, Kazaa, all of those services came around, it was kind of like people were like, oh, I don't have to pay for music and nor should I have to. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind it of- It was like a weird cultural us. shift. It was. So nowadays, um, this is a, a report that I read from like 2018 or 19. So this is a few years back now. But it was like that number had almost uh, since the Napster era, the Livewire era, it almost 10 x Wow. So because of Spotify, because you're imagining like you're paying $10 a month. Right. Right. Plus tickets or or CDs if you or vinyl. Or right. Whatever. And you're discovering artists. So and people the, and are they're back letting to you know when like, they're playing in your city. And yeah, I mean, Spotify so people are back to spending because like during the Michael Jackson, it was like I remember the graph being like in the in the Michael Jackson days, like early 90s late 80s during like the climax of the music industry um there was people were spending like a couple hundred dollars per capita per year for music and then it went down to like 10 to 20 dollars something crazy. ridiculously low Super and low, because yeah. of spotify we're back to near a hundred dollars that's a positive that's a positive thing then. so it's not as big as like the 80s when michael jackson was around right but it's it's 10x since where we were at before it's pretty cool yeah, so it's like, I feel like going back to like, I understand that people get frustrated with Spotify not paying enough and whatnot, but it's like, in the macro picture, it's like, at least we have Spotify. You know, it's, it's kind of comes back to that. That's yeah. the only way I can think about it. I used to feel a little bit more in that camp of like, oh yeah, Spotify's evil. It's, you know, run by people who aren't musicians. But I, I think to your point, I've come to have more of a uh, objective sort of view about it. And it's like you said, the other flipping the perspective of it, I could easily be frustrated and be and point the finger and blame other. It's so much easier to do that, right? And mm -hmm. be like, they're not paying me. I and it feels this. better. It and feels look, way better. And you look cooler. You look cooler too, right? Yeah. There's and, this like virtue. And you kind of see more relatable people. It's easier for people to jump on the bandwagon. But to flip it and be like, it's neither good nor bad, or or rather to flip it completely to the positive to be like, it's actually incredibly like I hate TikTok but I'm grateful that we have it as an ability. I have friends who have blown up as like 
niche artists that never would have had it without without a, a platform like that, right? Um, I personally don't consume content on TikTok because I feel I'm very ADHD already and I feel myself getting more, you know, when I see a re remix or a duet. Dude, of I'm like on YouTube Shorts. Things. Yeah, and YouTube, YouTube Shorts, shorts is, is YouTube killing Shorts me, is killing it and they're pushing really hard. They're coming after I, TikTok. I've also right been now. on I don't know. I've I've really been grinding on my Twitter memes recently. Yeah. I'm a bit on Twitter. I liked Ever one of your Elon memes before them? I came over Dude, here. Dude, I'm, I'm you, did? you running through the marathon. I think I was your first favorite on that. I was like, I'm coming for that ass or something. I was like, <laughs> favorite? <laughs> Dude, it's, Twitter memes are hilarious. I love right Twitter. Now. I've always loved Twitter. I, I mean, I, I didn't like, I was very inactive on Twitter until like literally this last year. Something, maybe Elon sparked it. Like, I was just curious, like, what's gonna happen? That's and so then funny. I started consuming more. It's like, wait, this place is actually pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't engage in a lot of the bullshit on Twitter. No, most of most of what I do on Twitter is shit posting and um, like saying thoughts that I wouldn't post on on something where you know my parents follow me. But uh, come to find out, my both my parents do follow me on Twitter because I remember I would tweet something out and then we'd be talking on the phone and they'd be like, "So you tweeted this? What did you mean?" And I'm like, "Oh God, I need to like create a burner account on Twitter or whatever." Dude, but, yeah, I love I love Twitter and I love like the risk of. I've I've been trying to love more, appreciate more, like the risk of saying something stupid. Because like when you write things down and there's not a person saying it, but it's like a text on a screen, mm. it's also so hard to make someone laugh. Sure. Or like to get someone to appreciate it or to make people think that you're smart in some way or another, to, right. to provide value in any way. It's so difficult that it's like if you do that, like there's like a challenge that I feel like. Totally. I want to just do it. You you made a comment earlier about you. It was just sort of a throwaway thing you were saying about how it was a low, uh, like a low quality or what was the word? Like it was like a low intelligence conversation on Twitter. And I thought to myself, I was like, that's like every conversation on Twitter. Yeah, There's yeah, very yeah. very few people who are like engaging in very high intelligent. It's a like, lot of people pretending. They think that they're very intelligent, but it's like it comes across. That's like, I feel like Twitter is part of the reason why like I've really recently been focusing on my ability to write. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just like try things like, out. Yeah. Try to articulate in written form. Totally. Yeah, dude. I think that's a skill. Now, like when I read and it's like something well-written, I appreciate it so much yeah. more now because of Twitter. Yeah. Right. And it's just from you trying to write too. Oh, yeah. And you, you, can, you can see like a good quality something when yeah, being able to appreciate it. No, for sure. Anyway, we've been talking way too long. It's because we're such good friends. Yeah. And um, stop being my friend, please. Okay. But I appreciate having you on. No, it's thank been a you. Blessing, thank man. you for, for the invite, man. Dude, yeah. And uh, where can people find you? So I am on the internet. What? Every, Thank you. Everywhere Thank on the you. internet. Everywhere is J Wayhaas. J W E I H A A S. But yeah, I'm on Twitter. I, I'm on Facebook. I don't really use it. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. I have a TikTok. And what services do you provide? Ooh. You do production. So I'm a producer. Session player, I am producer. A touring session keyboardist. Um, I am recently a playback technician, playback engineer, and a musical director. And I also, um, I, I'd say educator. I, I think my role as a teacher these days- You had a YouTube channel. I did. I did. You yeah. had a successful YouTube I, channel. I, I, I forgot about that. I did. We didn't even talk about that. I kind of abandoned it. <laughs> 
Wow. You have history, bro. I do. We'll you're have to not do a, we can do a part two. You're not a run of the mill keyboard player. Oh, thank you. I try not to. You're not to a run of the mill human being. Oh, I think bro, I think you're, you're, you're blush over here. <laughs> I think you're a fantastic human being. I well the feeling is mutual. Oh shit. <laughs> we're, we're gonna go make out guys, so <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, um yeah, go find Jay Wayhaas, Jonah. Jay Wayhaas, yeah. Jonah Wayhaas. Yeah, it's just Jay Wayhaus everywhere on online. You or go. you could go to jwayhaus.com and you can find it all from there too. Yes. And if you happen to see this half Asian tall dude behind a keyboard playing covers of music on YouTube, that's probably Jonah. Yeah, most of them, uh it's a torso. Uh, with a red keyboard. Dude, when we went to, was it Nam? Bro, yeah. when we were at Nam together, someone, I remember that moment. I remember you feel, I was like, damn, Jonah feels pretty good right now because you had a fan come yeah. up to you. Yeah, and this was like three to five years after I'd posted anything. He came up and recognized me, which is crazy because I That's rarely awesome. posted my face in these Evergreen content, bro. Yeah. Same with this podcast, dude. Isotope hit me up recently because uh, um, they they used to sponsor the show mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, we've been noticing you've been, we've been getting hits again. Are you still like talking about the show and oh like, cool like you have a like a link with them or yeah, something? Yeah, 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 yeah and they're nice. like nah like um nah we're not doing it anymore that's just because the podcast is evergreen people like people listen to the old episodes as much sure. as they listen to the new ones totally no so i mean crazy. when i find someone that i like that's one of my favorite things is like i'll subscribe and watch their new content but then like i'll go back and watch all the other videos to feel like i'm i'm part of the club or whatever i remember watching the like remembering like the last couple video game donkey videos that I hadn't watched and feeling really down. I was yeah. like, damn, I've really watched all of his videos. And I was like, feeling really down. It's fun. It's, I, I know the feeling you're talking about when you're like, I don't have any content to watch from this person anymore. It's, it's that's like, now like, I have to wait for your shit. It's, they have successfully like roped you in at that point. They've yeah. done a great job as a content creator. So anyway, respect. We hope that you get roped in as a listener, you get roped into this podcast and to this brand new segment called the uh mixing it up with Daddy D. Daddy D. This has been uh our special episode with our guest, Jonah Wayhaas, the fantastic person, keyboard player, performer, um and a beard grower. <laughs> and on that note, we hope you all have a fantastic day. Stay creative uh, and grateful. Cheers.